Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren and Leo, welcome home to your Boo Crew 345. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. At time of release on the previous edition of the show, you hung out with the brilliant writer-director Zach Kreger, who is responsible for the incredible film and instant classic Barbarian that celebrated its release this past weekend. If you haven't checked it out for any reason, definitely go and do it. We we can't say enough good things about it. We're going to get into this journey even more now with a guy who continues to make monumental contributions to the horror genre and is one of Barbarian's greatest allies, producer Roy Lee. He was responsible for bringing the ring and the grudge to American audiences, exceptional movies including The Strangers, The Woman in Black, Doctor Sleep, It, Watcher, and many, many more. Hear the story of how Barbarian made it across his desk and his role in empowering Zack and his team. You're going to hear about alternate titles, cut scenes, and a unique behind-the-camera look at bringing this amazing thing to life. We discuss the future of The Strangers with possibly some exciting sequel news, the return to Crystal Lake, and a heads up on Smile and Late Night with the Devil. Some barbarian spoiler territory in the second half. Don't worry, you're going to get a good heads up. And a reminder, if you've not seen Barbarian yet, don't ruin the experience for yourself. Come back for that part after you see it. Episode 345 with producer Roy Lee for Barbarian is now slaying. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy studio is a visionary film producer who completely changed the movie industry. Back in 1997, with his online project called Tracker, he created an entirely new approach to how scripts and pitches were marketed and developed. One of these scripts was a five-time Oscar-winning American Beauty, which he had discovered and passed along to DreamWorks. Eventually, he went on to build Vertigo Entertainment, and with that, an entire sea change for the horror genre. He brought the brilliant stories and production aesthetic from Asian cinema to the rest of the world, and through that, transforming what scares us and how it scares this, carving its roots deep into pop culture forever. Films like The Ring, The Grudge, and Darkwater. It hasn't been a career solely steeped in the genre. He was behind Martin Scorsese's four-time Oscar-winning The Departed, The Lego Movie, and How to Train Your Dragon. His role in the elevation of horror, however, is nothing short of stunning. Not only has it defined the past 20 years, from The Strangers to The Women in Black, It, Doctor Sleep, The Exorcist TV series, among many, many more, but he is one of the prime architects to the roadmap of its future, with recent films like Why His latest is a modern classic. What can I say? It stars Georgina Campbell, Bill Skarsgård, and Justin Long. A woman ends up at an Airbnb to discover that it is already occupied by a mysterious man. What transpires is amongst the most exciting and thrilling stories you've ever experienced. Barbarian is exclusively in theaters September 9th. We are honored to welcome producer Roy Lee. Yeah! Yeah! (laughs) Thank you for having me. Hey, thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. And on behalf of horror fans everywhere, thank you for being such an important part of the pillars of this genre and the constant curation, nurturing, and discovery of its evolution. So we want to go back to the beginning just for you. Where did horror cinema start for you as a viewer? What were the films that drew you into the genre? 
Well, when I was growing up, my mother would take me to movies that she thought were religious movies, which was The Exorcist, The Omen. And uh, it's like those were my earliest memories of seeing movies. And so uh, they they frightened me then. And uh, like I just got used to just like thinking that the theatrical experience, because I saw those in theaters and uh, I was terrified. And it was something that I just grew to really enjoy and started watching every horror movie there was when like in, when in the time when we were going with video, VHS cassettes and just going to the local video store and just picking based on the titles and I just saw everything. Oh my gosh. Now what is it about those films and the, and the stories of horror that makes it such an exciting genre to operate in? Yeah, well, for me, it's just like it gives you, it like evokes a feeling of just, it changes you. Like it, when you see it, it forever changes you, especially when things that are so terrifying. And uh, but the thing is, you're still safe in your home or in the theater, but it was just like people like roller coaster rides or doing parachuting and jumping out of planes. It's just like a rush that you get. And I just enjoyed that rush. Yeah. Is there a film that's like your comfort horror film? Like I love Shaun of the Dead. And like every time I watch it, I just, feel so good and like home is there a film that does that for you i don't know if you consider it a horror movie but my favorite is seven and i could just every time it was on television or like like on hbo or someplace i just always keep it on and just uh i can pick up anywhere in that movie and just keep on watching wow what is it about seven that does it for you uh, it's also the, the filmmaking and just the, the the way the storytelling is done because as you watch it, you realize that it just like defies conventions of like having the, the characters do different things than you'd expect in a serial killer movie. And that like the, the Kevin Spacey turning himself in when you expect that the cops are trying to catch him. So it's just like, and, and just like this, like the scares that come out of nowhere, like when the guy's in bed, you know, like the, they thought he was dead. It's just, it had so many moments that I just remember when I first saw it, just loving everything moment of for those who are curious how would you define i guess your role as a producer and what are some of the things that you've built into your approach to that role that is unique to you well it's the only unique thing about each probably not the unit the same the similar thing for every one of the projects is like at least from the very start from the script or the original film that's that i would remake it's that it scared me and that's like if it could scare me on the page and i feel like like Humor is somewhat subjective. Something funny for me is maybe not so funny for somebody else. But when something scares me, it's there's a better chance that it's going to scare somebody else. So it's why whenever I look for something that really scares me, I can anticipate that if we do it well on film, it'll scare people as well. Right. So, yeah, you're the ultimate barometer. I love that. A fan leading the charge. And so before we get into Barbarian, I mean, you led such an extraordinary career that it's impossible to pick favorites or most influential. But we'd love to briefly touch on just a few. First of all, like what was the seed of the idea to originally bring Ringu to North America? And was there any pushback whatsoever in the Hollywood system? At the time, it was just dormant and it was contemplated to be remade at a place called Fine Line at one point, And then they never made it. And it just was sitting in, in their, the Asmic Ace vault in Japan. And I just happened to see it th- via a friend who showed me the video cassette from uh, a festival that there was. It's, it's called the... 
I think it's right now, it's called the Bhutan Film Festival, which is like the fantastic film festival. And sort of like uh, these are the type of movies that they're showing there. So I got to see a big group of uh, Asian horror movies that I had never seen before. Because prior to that, the only Asian movies I'd seen are either like the Jackie Chan movies or the Godzilla movies, but never any serious horror movies because they just weren't distributed in the United States. It was like through film festivals or specialty uh, video stores. But um, that one was just such a shock that I saw a brand new story told in a different culture that had a, a, a style that felt like it could be transplanted to the U.S. And so there wasn't much of a pushback. In fact, the company was just so happy to have someone want to remake it because it was just a thing in their library that they couldn't, they just found out later they could monetize. And uh, then uh, the fact that the the deal to remake it netted them more money than the actual budget of the movie. And this is on top of it already being a successful movie in Japan. Wow, that's extraordinary. Could you tell us a bit about the discovery of Brian Bertino's script for The Strangers? That one was, it was, it was actually a very different script when I first read it. It was actually called uh, Faces. And uh, it was a semi-finalist in the Nichols Fellowship uh, screenwriting competition. And so what they do every year is like they release the, the before releasing who the winner is, they would release the names and log lines of all the scripts in the top 25. And so this was in, wasn't a winner, but it was one of the semifinalists that I just read the, the script and was, thought it was a, a, a fantastic read, a great scares throughout and uh, um, just contacted him and just uh, asked him if he wanted to adapt it. And he was never, he was actually not the initial director that was supposed to direct it. He, we didn't, he wasn't even contemplating directing it because he didn't have any experience directing before um, the, that movie. He was just working with the filmmaker who ended up dropping off prior to production. Actually, there are two filmmakers on it before it uh, got made. And so the first one was, um, I actually might be getting misplaced in terms of order, but the one was Justin Lin was attached to direct at one point, and uh, Mark Romanek was a, was another one. And both times never came to fruition. And both times, Bertino had been working with the directors on uh, doing changes according to what the director wanted. And by the time the second director dropped off, which I believe was Romanek, then uh, we were just going to start looking for another director. And Bertino said, well, I do it. And uh, it was done for such a low budget that we gave him an opportunity to do it. And he, he really nailed it. Oh, he sure did. And Johannes Roberts stepped in, did a fantastic job on Pray at Night, which is a completely different stylistically in that in that universe. Such a, such a great job. Do you think we'll see a third? I think the, which I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about, I think the next three are in production next month um, with someone, uh, every, another filmmaker that people will know, but uh, I probably can't tell you who that is yet. No problem at all. That's exciting news. And then finally, um, Mike Flanagan's Dr. Sleep is, is one arguably the best and most underrated films of the past decade. How excited were you to be a part of such an interesting project steeped in so much cinematic history. It's kind of rare that we see such a love letter to something so baked into pop culture while simultaneously pushing it forward. Yeah. It, Mike did an amazing job threading the needle of, of, of making the fans of the Kubrick movie happy, as well as Stephen King happy, who people know he, Stephen wasn't the biggest fan of the Kubrick movie. So he was able to, take the best parts of what people loved about The Shining by Kubrick and then Stephen King's novel and just synthesize a movie that felt like a organic sequel to both. 
Yeah, when looking to take on a horror movie project, uh, what is it that you look for? Is it sometimes a, a certain IP close to your heart, or is it original ideas, or a spit on something already done in the past? Well, if it's an IP that is like um, like Psycho, for example, it, it's trying to take it and spin it in a way that it makes people go like, oh, I'd watch that that TV show. It's just like putting in a spin that doesn't feel like a total rehash of what's done before. So you won't actually see the events of Psycho until the fifth season where um, – uh, you see the the murder that takes place in the opening scene of Psycho in the, the final season of, uh, of of Bates Motel. So it's it's just like taking things and so for me it's like the iconic things that I loved in the past. I don't want to just do the exact same thing, but in terms of original things, I, it's it it basically just takes a great script or just a great idea that can uh, that is scary on the page and a, a filmmaker that can execute on it. So it's like the, the things that are coming up that are just really, because like right now I'm being able to take a lot of uh, risks and, 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 and different things with horror. So like even with Barbarian, uh, I don't know, did all of you see the movie Barbarian? Yes, oh, sir. Yes, we yes. should. Yes. Yeah. That one yeah. was like, I, I just love it because it defied conventions. I mean, that's actually the reason why so many different studios passed on it before uh, we ended up getting it made without a studio in place because everyone told me is like, this script does not work. The audience will not track the, the, the story and the characters with it jumping around in time and place and, and different tones of, of that you notice like tonal switches. And, and that's, that's actually what made me want to make the movie is because I just don't want to see the same thing that like a formulaic horror movie. I wanted to like take, do experiments with different ways of telling a story. Yeah, it lit our synapses on fire. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. It was extraordinary. Yeah. So what yeah. that that said, what do you think that it, that it takes to scare a modern horror audience these days? It's it, it, it's not really any specific formula. It's just like taking familiar situations and putting a spin on it that that makes people uncomfortable or or just. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, the, if I knew the, the magic formula of how to create something that's scary, I'd be doing it nonstop. It's just, it's a constant search for just new spins on different ideas and, and just original scripts. And like the, the, the Barbarian script for me was just such a treat for, to read. So like your experience watching it is probably as good as what my experience was reading that script. When reading scripts and discovering projects, is there any challenges in finding stories that might not necessarily have that physical immersive advantage of being consumed on a 30 foot tall screen? Are you thinking in terms of what would look good on a TV at home and, and stories of that nature? Or does that kind of enter your mind at all? No, I, I think of it in, in the way of theatrical in general, just because I feel like the theatrical experience enhances a horror movie in ways that other genres aren't affected because of the fact that you, when you watch a horror movie in the theater, you're in a dark environment. Normally it's, it's a quiet, except when people are screaming or laughing, <laughs> but it's like that experience with the other people also enhances that. But when you're watching a movie at home on your iPad, on your TV, you got your distractions of like maybe your room's not dark you have people walking around you could get something to eat all the time or just get a phone call but it's like the, the just being put in an environment so i just like whenever uh, i'm thinking about a movie or tv show it, it necessarily just it, it lends itself to just like how can this experience uh, how will it play in, in, in like a theatrical experience or when somebody's in the perfect environment of watching a horror movie mm. 
Can you pinpoint one thing that you love the most being involved in making films? Uh, I guess it's just see, like it's it's a it's a broad thing, but it's more like knowing that like you're you could look at a script or hear an idea and in a year or two see an audience react to just the images that were just in your head when you were first hearing or reading about the idea of the movie. So it's just like that first experience of people seeing it and like especially when it, it, it works and the audience is scared and then you knew it was going to work. Ah, an adrenaline yeah, rush. That must be yeah, yeah, I'm sure yeah. you get it with yeah. Barbarian. So oh written and goodness. directed by Zach Kreger. So, I mean, talk about pushing the genre forward. The script is a, a tribute to the imagination. Uh, it's uh, I, I found it like experiencing a magic trick. There's sleight of hand yep. baked into it. Yeah. Wonder. Talk about how the script first came by your desk. How did you find it? Well, it, it, it actually had come to my company probably six months before I actually read it and it went through the system and it was passed on because the people that were reading it first were saying, this is never going to work. And it just never got up to me. And then it was uh, being put together um, after a lot of other places, every horror production company that you would have thought would have gotten the script, got it and passed on it. And then it went to a company called Boulder Light, which is uh, the the other production company that I'm working with on this. They they were they saw the the, the script and was, were blown away by it. And and I had met with JD and Rafi, and uh, they were just talking about the the one project they're most excited about. And they I just read it, and I was like, holy shit, holy crap, this is like this is an amazing script. I mean, how did I not see this thing before? And when the agent took for and told me, he's like, oh, went to you and you guys passed. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. And, and so then, but the thing is, that's the same resistance I got from every studio that we went to fi- go for financing for this movie. And the only place that we didn't take it to was Disney, because you would think <laughs> Disney no would never yeah. make this movie. <laughs> and now a year and a half later, they're the ones distributing it wide and, and, and doing this great marketing job of putting these things together and just making, getting the, the, the word out to the audience of how interesting this movie is and what do you think it took to get them on board what did they love about it did they see what you saw well it was they were invited to some of the marketing people from disney were invited to one of our first test screenings and you can imagine uh, an audience had zero idea what they're walking into uh and just just being told it's a it's a small genre movie and they're giving a log line about a woman who's double booked in an airbnb and just the reactions of once you get to that first act break and you know what i'm talking about where it just completely changes that like what we were told before by every other place that could have financed is like the audience will reject this as soon as this happens and it turned out like they were totally on board following putting the clues together to see how these things connected to what they had just seen and how it was so different and it was it was pretty amazing how high the test score was were and the fact that people were engaged with it and, and were recommending it. So the executives from Disney just immediately said, we love this movie and we want to pick it up. The Boo Crew will be right back. From the eternal sea, he rises, creating armies on either shore, turning man against his brother till man exists no more. For everything known... 
there is something unknown. For every blessing, there is a curse. This is not a human child. For everything holy, there is something unholy. For every evil, there is an omen. 20th Century Fox presents The Omen, starring Gregory Peck and Lee Remick. I need to see a psychiatrist. I have fears. What kind of fears? It is a mystery beyond human solution. It is suspense beyond human tolerance. It is a warning mankind has feared for thousands of years. It is The Omen. Rated R. Under 17, not admitted without parent. You have been warned. This is Trev just cutting in to say, if you have not seen Barbarian yet, use caution in proceeding. <laughs> Go check it out before you come back and listen to the rest of this conversation. It'll give you an extraordinary insight into what you've just seen. It's super, super fun. But yeah, don't ruin it for yourself. This is a movie to best go in cold. That said, here you go. Part two. Oh, wow. Did the script always stay the same or did it ever evolve or change? Uh, no, I mean, Zach's vision was pretty much exactly what was on the page. And in fact, the, the whole other sequence in a different time period with an older character, I wanted to cut that. Like, that was my first thing. I was like, this, like, I, I, I understood the, the Justin Long part, which is like, that's great. But the other one was just a little too much. I didn't think it was going to work. And then... Uh, we're just like he goes well if i could fit it within a budget can i just at least try it and uh, i was like sure you could try it but i i'm pretty sure we're gonna end up cutting those scenes and uh it ended up staying in the movie and uh i don't know what you how you felt but like i was always in the mindset that we were just gonna cut that wow oh i loved it i loved it don't cut it it's too late now so now zach not only did he write actually there was a couple of scenes that we did cut because it was way too gross and but zach has kept that so that he will be putting in the, his own director's cut but it doesn't do any it doesn't take anything from the story it's just grosser things that uh that i guess uh, justin long's kale is subjected to not just the 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 feeding that he has to take do but there's even more that he had to take oh that's yeah. experience so what you guys saw was only a scratch of what, what zach wanted to put kale through the character oh yeah. that is amazing so you, yeah. you said i mean not only did he write the thing but he directed the hell out of it and he's he's a guy who's direct you know his experience in directing is mostly like tv comedies and things of that nature and this is a, a different beast entirely was there ever a thought to get anyone else involved as a director and at the same time what did he do that made you eventually decide you know what there is no one else who could pull this off it, it was it was a, a bit of a flyer to get him into directing that movie just because his previous work is all comedy. So a lot of other places that were potentially financing it were just a little bit nervous about that, but that's often new Regency, which is like the, the company that just took the risk and, uh, 
and, and let us make it with Zach and uh, they fully financed it. Oh, and then uh, the, the other architects of this experience, you've got Zach Cooperstein, who did uh, Nick Pesh's The Eyes of My Mother and Keith Thomas's The Vigil. And he's so great at exploring darkness. Was that kind of the idea behind bringing him yeah. on board? Yes, I mean th- th- both those movies were, were really well executed, and, and and his his style of camera work was amazing. So then he also really connected with Zach, and yeah, I'm hoping to work with him on uh, on other future uh, genre movies. Yeah, this is perhaps the third movie over the last ten years or so that actually made me feel anxious and made my heart race. So uh, congrats on that. <laughs> um, yeah. there's a there's a great awkward creepy chemistry between bill skarsgård and georgina campbell who are both brilliant in this what was it about them that made them perfect for these roles and and did they audition or test together uh, i guess it was uh, bill was the first person to sign on to it and he's the person i've wanted from the very t- first time i read the script because it was especially there's a line in the like that talks about i'm not a monster or he says that he's not a monster which is like perfect for the fact that he was pennywise yeah. and this, this, for the previous movie and like and so like it, like, it was always yeah. supposed to be for the audience at least the way zach wrote it like you don't know whether he was good or bad and so bill has this persona that like he could be extremely charming or he could turn it dark and so i, I felt like it was, it was the perfect actor to, to play that role and then uh, georgina was just uh, she came in because we had seen her on uh, black mirror and uh it was it was something that uh yeah zach met with her and felt like she was the right person like it, there wasn't that much of a like a plan for bill to see if there's chemistry between them because they are supposed to be strangers anyway so it's like uh like when they're put into that situation and th- like they actually met on set whenever it started so it was like their relationships were going the same way that they were being filmed in terms of like as that relationship progressed in the night that was over the first 10 days oh, that geez. is so cool yeah that tension yeah. is palpable <laughs> it is yeah. so cool yeah. Where uh, did you shoot that Airbnb? It was all in Sofia, Bulgaria. And, really? And so wow. we, we, yeah, we, we shot and it was it was the whole actually the whole neighborhood. It was just a dead end street in, in somewhere in, in the suburbs and that they just rebuilt like they built those houses first it decrepit and just and destroyed and then they uh, they we put it back together for the uh the shots of, of the uh times when it was not as uh run down this the production design of the house itself so you said you know it was a uh, in bulgaria what are we looking at the Airbnb? Is it one giant practical set? Is it uh, underneath the caves and everything like that? Is it all part of the one building? Is it different sound stages? What was the design and structure of that? Yeah, that, that was those were all in a stage where they were built in sections. Like, like the house was on a stage, like the, those rooms were on stage, except for whenever you saw it as if they're walking into the house that yeah. was done on, on location on the street. But most of it was on the stage and, and, and the, the caves were all built in the stage as, as like different extensions of it. So it's just all on a flat stage and different pieces. Before we get down there, uh, Justin brings something so extraordinary. He, he comes with humor, but it's shrouded in the darkest of the dark. What effect do you like that that character kind of invokes in this movie, the experience? Well, for him, it's, it's like he's such a likable guy and what his character is is portrayed in the in the movie and what his backstory is. He is a terrible person. So it was, it was just like really good to have a character that like goes on, on all appearances. And he is in 
reality one of the nicest guys to then just like learn what he is in, in the process it was i don't know it was just perfect casting because it was for him it's like he was in one of my favorite horror movies years ago jeepers creepers i love that movie and so and the fact that he is also a horror icon to me as well as bill skarsgård being like it was just like a combination of both those guys together even though they aren't actually well i don't want to do any spoilers but yes it's uh it's good to have those two in the movie. I was curious, was Barbarian always the title? Well, funnily enough, Disney almost had us change the title. Uh, I don't know if they would mind me saying it, but we, it was the the plan before we decided they we convinced them to keep it was to change the title to GTFO and uh, um, meaning uh, get the F out. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, yeah. we, we just thought that that would, would make it feel like a a parody movie like those uh haunted like a scary like not scary movie, but like those uh those um, parody movies that you see on different types of movies. Yeah. And we just didn't want it to be considered that which is why barbarian was was uh just a uh, a title that we felt was vague and enough to make people interested in it and uh, but yeah it was it was always barbarian, except for the little time when Disney wanted to call it GTFO. Interesting. So did you get to spend much time on set at all yourself? Were you visiting there and kind of overseeing everything that was going on? Yeah, I was there for the first week and it was during the COVID time. So we, we were trying to keep the, the production crew as small as possible. And so it was, it was, it was done all under the strict protocols of testing every day, keeping it very limited and amount of people were on set. Here at the Boo Crew, we love props and costumes. So I was wondering if you got to keep anything from the production. Hmm, I did not keep anything from the production, but uh, I guess I'm trying to think of what there would have been other than the uh, the mother. But that was, that was mostly makeup. So that, there wasn't really. I mean, could you think of something that I'd want to keep from that movie? That baby bottle. Baby bottle. <laughs> baby bottle. Oh, baby yeah. bottle. That's that. just a cheap baby bottle from the, the local shop. I mean, like that. That was other than the, the grimy hairs that were put on top of it. And so, yes. That, 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 I think that's the point in the script where I knew I, because that was even before the tonal and, and different change. Like the fact that that bottle came down and, and just the way it was written, like trying to make Justin drink out of it was amazing. Yeah, it's so good. Do you keep... And, and then yeah. and, and Justin, Georgina, like she really, like I was just wondering, like how are we going to, is she going to like having to like suckle from a, a, a disgusting baby bottle? Like the fact that she just, she did an amazing job shooting it as well as having to do the next step for Justin. Like that, the version you saw was much trimmed down. And so it was, it, it was something where it was basically from her point of view of what she was seeing him do. Oh, well, it's not just a baby bottle from the store anymore. It's a part of horror history <laughs> that people will be talking yeah. about for decades. Yeah, that's right. I just, you've worked on so many iconic horror movies. Have you kept anything from any of the films that you've worked on? Or do you tend to not care about those things? I'm a bit of a minimalist, so I don't really keep that many things. And so I don't really have anything. Again, we, we've heard that uh, <laughs> you know, some things might have went too far. Were there any other endings that were considered or is the ending that we see the the one that was intact in the original idea? 
It's pretty much the same other than a few tweaks here and there. Jordan Peele actually came in and gave him advice on making some editorial changes and, uh, that were implemented. And so it's, uh, but the, 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 the gist of it is the same, but just how it was cut together is a little bit different. Yeah. Okay. Big spoiler here, and I'll put a button here too as well, just to <laughs> very sensitive how this one is. He released. has an alarm. Yeah, that I have says an alarm. Like spoiler. Yeah, I have yeah. a huge thing. But um, just the design of Mama in particular. How was that conceived? Was that something that Zach got to be a part of directly? Did it coincide with a description on his script or were people brought in to kind of make what mama looked like to life? That was all Zach. It was, it was like during the prep period of the movie, they would constantly come in and, and show what they were thinking. And he would give notes and this needs to change. That needs to change. He'll give you a better idea. Cause it was like, it was like a, a piece of clay that he was molding for oh. the first few weeks of production of like what the look was going to be like. Oh. What was the first scene that was shot? First scene that was shot was just her coming into the house and, and meeting. Cause it was like Bill's shot for the first 10 days. And uh, um, that's where the, the opening 25 minutes are, are was shot. That first scene is incredible. It is so like dark in the theater and you're just instantly scared. Oh, you're instantly brought in. In fact, when we went to the screening, the guy who came in, we'd walked right at the beginning and he said, it was a dark and stormy night. And he'd walk us to our seats and this is the the best way to experience this movie. My gosh. Leo, you had a question for Roy. Yeah, aside from the Justin Long Gore scene that you had mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, were there any scenes that did not get filmed due to time or budget constraints that you wish they had? Mm, there was, I think we could have had more time shooting the big set piece ending of her in the process of finalizing what is going to happen with all the characters and not giving too much away. But although we are in spoiler territory, when yeah. she was thrown off the building and yeah. the mother jumping after uh, it, the limited time because stunt work and, and action take a little bit more planning that could have had, if we had a day or two more, we could have planned it out a little bit better. We're going to jump into the future a little bit here as we wrap. What's, I mean, gosh, you have so many projects. So I'm going to address one in particular. Will you be heading to Crystal Lake anytime soon? That one is something that I would love to talk about, but uh, it's something that uh, you may be hearing something by year's end on that uh, front. Perfect. Perfect. And how about other things that you might be able to talk about? I know um, uh, we're excited at hearing about Salem's Lot and movies like Boy Kills World. Is there anything in the uh, in the pike that's closest to fruition at this point? Well, we just wrapped another movie done in the same style and, and budgetary range as Barbarian is this movie called Late Night with the Devil, which I almost didn't read the script because I was like, that is such a cheesy title. There's no way this movie is going to be something that's not going to be just a B movie. But then I like, uh, like I was just told by a person I trust, you have to read the script. And I read it and I was like, man, I am so glad I read the script because it was similar to Barbarian where I was like reading, it's like, Oh, there's, there's this, this is like really unique. So I don't know if he'd ever remembers the show, the Larry Sanders show. Yeah. Uh, or the yeah. So imagine that. And this is the last episode being shot. That is the last episode because Larry decides to do an on-air exorcism that goes uh, awry and causes this to be the last episode ever shot. And so it's done 
as if it's a real television show. And when it goes to commercial breaks, it cuts to an aspect ratio of a traditional film. So you see it almost like a docu film style behind the scenes as they're shooting this episode that is an exorcism that uh, David Desmashian, who is uh, Polka Dot Man, is the talk show host. He kills it. Like he he should actually, after people see this movie, he could be uh, like the next talk show host that replaces Conan or or anyone because he's just so good at it. And uh, but that one I feel like is going to surprise a lot of people when they if, uh, if we keep the title "Late Night with the Devil" because uh, it's uh, it, it's actually very appropriate for what the story is. Oh, that sounds <laughs> so good! So you got us hook, line, and yeah. sinker, man. Any yeah. other projects that just I mean, filmmakers in general that that have excited you over the past a few years is there anybody that you that you really love and maybe people you'd love to work with the other filmmaker which i'm sure you'll be hearing about in a few weeks after hopefully our movie will be uh successful enough to sustain itself after smile comes out but parker finn uh is uh, a filmmaker to watch because that movie is uh pretty pretty impressive of how he turned into something that was originally made for a streaming movie that was so good that they're like we can't release this just on paramount plus we have to give it a theatrical release so you'll be seeing that uh, in the coming months too oh that's exciting since the halloween season is upon us it's almost fall i wanted to know do you like doing haunts like going to ghost hunting or going to mazes and getting scared Uh not really i'm not that into like jump scares where somebody jumps out at you and scares you because that 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 i feel like isn't an earned scare it's just a jolting scare so that isn't like whenever you see a movie where it's like a jump out see a scare with a loud stinger sound or a cat that jumps out i don't really appreciate those as much as like the the dread you feel when like georgina is finds the second door and yeah. looks down and is, starts to yeah. walk down that's the type of scares that i like not the 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 jump scares yeah another movie like that is watcher that you were a part of as yes. well that's exactly ta- yeah. that hits that nail on the head exactly and congrats on that film as well and another great uh great I'm glad you like that one. yes that was that was also done in eastern europe that was in bucharest so that wrapped just as as uh barbarian was starting production Oh, back-to-back hits. I love it, man. Excellent. Well, uh, at this point, we've taken up so much of your time. We'll we'll let you go. But, Roy, thank you so much for being such an important part of bringing Barbarian to life and for all the incredible work that you continue to do for the horror genre. It's so exciting, man. We appreciate it so much. You're welcome. I'm I'm glad you enjoyed the movie, and I hope... Others will learn that uh, they should check this movie out. For sure. Oh, we, yes. will yeah. we will spread the gospel. The gospel. <laughs> yes. it, honestly, it's going to be the most talked about film in decades. So this yeah. is this is very good. Very yeah. good stuff. I think the, the, the trailer under promises and the movie over delivers. Yes. <laughs> yes. That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 345. Special thanks to our guest, Roy Lee. At time of release, Barbarian is in theaters everywhere now. Production tracks for this one provided by the great Power Man 5000. Till next time, this is Trev for myself, Lauren, and Leo saying sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. 
The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Chen, chopped and sliced by Trevor Chen. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network, home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full-cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy for disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.